Hi, and thank you for listening to Ask the Pastor, a segment of the West Hills podcast where you have the opportunity to ask and receive biblical answers on your questions from our lead pastor, Will Duvall. I'm your host, Allie Keaton, and I'm really excited to dive into our question this week. This week's question comes to us from Amelia, and she asks, Pastor Will, why does God allow bad stuff to happen to good and bad people? I thought a person's a person, no matter how small. Thank you for that question, Amelia. And I have to begin my response uh, with a bit of a confession. I lied to you. I told you that we were going to organize these questions from easiest to hardest and kind of ease into the podcast here. But Amelia is going straight for the jugular uh, with this question. But I love it. And uh, I love, Amelia, that you asked it. This was the only question so far we've gotten from uh, a child. And so um, Allie and I wanted to celebrate that. Thank you, Amelia. And parents, uh, we want to encourage you to encourage your own kids to get in on the fun here and ask their questions as well. Um, and maybe we'll just decide instead to organize our questions from youngest asker to oldest. Um, and so Amelia, I'm going to try and speak to you in my reply here, but um, also in a way that will hopefully be beneficial and accessible to all of our listeners as well. So here we go. Um, Ten words into your question, Amelia, I thought that this was going uh, to be a really easy question to answer because the way the question often gets asked is, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? And the biblical answer to that question is that he doesn't. Uh, God does not allow bad things to happen to good people. Uh, Romans 3.10, quoting Psalm 53.3. So this is an Old and a New Testament truth. There's no one righteous, no, not even one. Ecclesiastes 7.20 uh, tells us that surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. So from a biblical standpoint, the bad things to good people question is an invalid one. It's a, it's a moot point. But Amelia is, of course, too smart for that. And I think she already knew that biblical truth from Romans 3. And so she asked instead about good and bad people to cover all her bases. Um, And there might be a a sense in which we can even answer that question in an easy way as well, because God allows bad stuff to happen to bad people because we deserve it and God is just. Um, Because none is righteous and and because we hear three chapters later in Romans chapter 6 that the wages of sin is death, what our sin rightfully earns us is is eternal death and separation from God. We, uh, as sinners, all deserve that kind of punishment. There's a very real sense in which um, Christians need to really flip this question on its head and ask not why bad stuff happens to mostly good people, but rather why does anything good ever happen to people so thoroughly bad as us? And um, why does God allow rebel sinners like us to experience any joy, any happiness, any hope and love and peace in this world of his. And that to us as Christians is a, is a much tougher question actually to answer. And um, other than the fact that the answer simply in a word is mercy, it's grace, it's God's love. God loves us and desires good for us despite our consistent rejection of him and our sin. Um, But that answer really does bring us back full circle to Amelia's question here, uh, because maybe the better question to to debate here is why does God allow bad stuff to happen to his children whom he loves, Um, regardless of whether we're good or bad? Now, Now we're not tying God's choices to our performance, our good or our bad, but rather to God's paternity 
to God's fatherhood. If God is our father, and he promises, he tells us in his word that he's a good father, um, Jesus asks rhetorically in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, if we who are in fact evil give good things to our own children, how much more so will God, our perfect heavenly father, give good gifts to his children? And so now we really feel the, the weight of Amelia's question here. God, if you are my father, and if you're good, um, even though I'm not good, you are, how could you let something so horrible happen to me as a loving father? And I feel the weight of this one, especially as a father. Um, you know, I have a three-year-old daughter, Ellery, and I want nothing for her but to live the longest, happiest, most beautiful life possible. I would never wish harm or, or ill or evil on her. And so how can God allow us to suffer in those ways? Now, now we're feeling the real weight of the question. And so um, I want to uh, use... In my response here, I'll, I'll use a bit of a, a cop out, and um, as I've said before, all the all the best answers and ideas. There's nothing new under the sun, and all the best ideas are stolen. And um, so, in sort of preparing to respond to this, I, I came across um, in John Piper's own Ask Pastor John um, on Desiring God, his website. He has a, a little devotional um, entitled "The Five Purposes for Suffering." that I highly recommend to you, um, again, on Desiring God from January 31st. And so I want to just quote Piper and, and use him to help me answer this question because I think he does it in such a poignant way. Um, Piper is going to talk about the five R's of, of, of suffering and, and purposes for suffering. So here's what he says, short article, so I just read it and, and include some of my own comments. Piper says, we seldom know the micro reasons for our suffering, but the Bible does give us faith-sustaining macro reasons. And so he distinguishes here, Piper, between micro and macro. The micro being, you know, why does God allow this particular evil to happen, um, this much evil to happen for this long in my life? We don't often know the, the answers to those reasons, but the macro reasons for why might God allows suffering in general um, he does give us clues in Scripture. And so Piper says it's good to have a way to remember some of these macro reasons so that when we are suddenly afflicted or have a chance to help others in their affliction, we can recall some of the truths God has given us to help us not lose hope. Here is one way to remember. Five R's, um, the macro purposes of God in our suffering include, number one, repentance. And so he's got a, a scripture for each of these as well and a definition. Um, so Piper says, Suffering is a call for us and others to turn from treasuring anything on earth above God. Luke 13, 4 and 5. Um, Luke tells us, Were those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them? Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And so uh, this is me now, Pastor Will, not Pastor John talking. Um, and I would just say suffering is not always tied uh, to some specific sin in our life. Um, we know from uh, the story of, especially John chapter 9, uh, there's a story of disciples and Jesus encountering a man who was born blind. And the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus who sinned this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Um, and that was sort of a common Jewish worldview thing back then was, um, you know, this very strictly tied cause and effect, almost a karmic type 
universe. Um, you know, you do good, you get good, you do evil, bad things happen to you. Um, but Jesus shoots that down and really brings the disciples back to the sovereignty of God, I think, in his answer. And he says in verse 3, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And that's a whole nother purpose that Piper's not going to talk about here in his six R's. But I'll add it to the list as a sixth R is revelation. Our suffering can be a means of God revealing himself as powerful in our weaknesses. Um, 2 Corinthians 12, uh, where, where Paul talks about God's strength in our weakness and, and whether that's by God miraculously alleviating the suffering like Jesus did does for the blind man in John 9, or whether it's God simply sustaining us through it. Um, God can serve that purpose of his, of his own, of revealing himself. Um, number number two, uh, number two reason for suffering, righteousness. Piper List, uh, suffering is the discipline of our loving Heavenly Father so that we come to share in his righteousness and holiness. And so he quotes Hebrews 12, verses 6 and 10 through 11. The Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. He disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so I'll sometimes uh, liken suffering in this sense to exercising. You know, exercising is not always fun. You don't want to get off the couch and, and go for a run, um, but you do it uh, because it's worth it and it's good. Um, and... Suffering can, can serve that purpose for us as well. Uh, discipline. Uh, the third reason for suffering that Piper gives us, number R, uh, or letter R, is reliance. Um, suffering is a call to trust God and not the life-sustaining props of this world. So he quotes 2 Corinthians 1, 8, and 9, where Paul says, We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we, were dis- we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises from the dead. Again, we could look at 2 Corinthians 12 and, and the thorn in the flesh where, um, God, uh, where Paul tells us that uh, that was so that he might rely on, more on God's strength and his own weakness. Um, and so I'll, I would just simply um, refer you maybe back as well to my um, sermon from two weeks ago um, on July 14th here uh, on the storms of life and where is God in, in the storms of life. And uh, I, I made a kind of you know bold statement that, that almost sounds um, blasphemous or, or something, um, but I said if God's ultimate aim was to, in life was to make us happy. He would be a miserable failure. And I think that's true. I, I mean, I stand behind that because, you know, how many of us, um, I, I just think about uh, different members of, of our congregation um, who I know, you know, from their prayer requests, from, from personal conversations, I know what some of you are going through right now. Um, and, and you're feeling the weight of that truth that, man, if God is really ultimately after my happiness, uh, my temporal kind of carefreeness and, and um, ease of life and comfort, then um, God is not doing a great job uh, because I, I feel like I'm being put through the ringer. But if God's ultimate purpose is for his glory and if God gets glory when his children um, uh, 
draw close to him, draw near to him in their pain. Um, if uh, we grow in our, our love and our relationship with him through our reliance on him, then God can absolutely use our, our pain and our suffering um, as a primary tool for that. Um, C.S. Lewis said pain is God's megaphone. Uh, he speaks loudest to us through it. Um, so in some ways, as, as her father, I shouldn't pray for nothing but an idyllic, pain-free you know, life for my daughter, Ellery, but um, as a loving father, I should really be praying, God, give her just enough pain that you can force her to her knees, um, and it's a humble reliance on you so that she might draw close to you in her times of weakness. And that's why we're here, um, is for God's glory and not our own. So God, purify my daughter's faith when necessary through um, the trials of life and use them to bring her closer to you. Um, that's her ultimate good. Uh, number four, reason number four, reward. Suffering is, is working for us, a great reward in heaven that will make up, every, uh, make up for every loss here a thousandfold. So Piper quotes 2 Corinthians 4.17, This light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. We could look at the story of Job, um, where Job loses everything and then gains it back tenfold. Um, you know, Piper says we'll gain it back a thousandfold in, in glory, in paradise, in, in eternity, in heaven. Um, but I might even go beyond that and say even in this life, I think the promise of God in Romans 8.28 that God is using uh, all things for our greater good. Um, we, I, I think that's a promise not only um, in paradise and eternity, but here on, uh, in this life as well. Um, and so I think for, for those of us who have been through suffering, um, we can attest in our you know, testimony and, and look back to past times when God put us through something difficult and uh you know for me I, I can think of two or three specific points in my life where I really felt like um this was tested for me and um and I can look back now and say oh yeah God that's that's what you were doing there and, and that's what you were up to that's why you allowed me to go through that it was for my good I just I wasn't experiencing it as good in the moment and it took a while for me to even be able to reflect back and see it as as good but um he does it uh, he's faithful um to redeem that suffering and use it for a greater good you think of genesis fifty twenty, um and, and the way that uh you know joseph put it what was meant for evil god you meant it for good um and again it's a di- you know that's a difficult claim to back up in an argumentative kind of sense and a logical sense that God always does have our good in mind and he, he uses any suffering we might face in life for a greater purpose, um, whether that's repentance or righteousness, reliance, refining our faith. How can we prove that God is working something for our greater purpose and plan? And the answer, of course, is that we can't. Um, Romans eight twenty eight is a promise of God that is given by faith for faith. You know, interestingly, that's a promise that God... Uh, only gives to believers. Um, it's it's for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Um, it's by faith, for faith. That's that's a promise that must be believed on in faith. You know, and as Hebrews eleven one says, faith is believing without seeing. If we could see, it wouldn't be faith. If I could understand and explain exactly what God is up to in allowing my loved ones to go on suffering. Um, in this pain, this debilitating illness or injury, if I could see from God's perspective what he's doing, then there'd be no need for faith. And that's 
probably a whole other podcast um, question as well. What's so great about faith that God seems so intent on building it and sometimes uses such drastic measures to do so? But I think the short answer is that for those of us of faith, um, we have come to experience faith as its own reward. I really think that faith is 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 less of belief and more of relationship. It's it's trust. And trust is the key ingredient in any relationship. And so faith means I'm clinging to God. Um, and again, if you've been through hardship in life, you know that the truth of what Lewis said, that pain is God's megaphone. Um, he's Not only because he speaks loudest to us, but because he draws nearest to us uh, when we're hurting. And that's why... Um, you know, pain can really be for our good. Sometimes it's 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 so excruciating trying to listen to myself here, ex- trying to explain this through the ears of some of our congregants who are going through intense suffering right now, the loss of a teenage child. That's unbelievable. I cannot be- imagine what kind of pain that is, a lifelong battle with depression or schizophrenia. I mean, th- these are real difficult, painful uh, life circumstances, but in the most difficult of circumstances, we have to ask ourselves, will I still believe? Faith is a choice, uh, just like relationships are a choice. Will I still believe, God, that you are good and that you have good plans for me even through this particular suffering? Um, So finally, Piper's final R is reminder. Suffering reminds us that God sent his son into the world to suffer so that our suffering would not be God's condemnation, but his purification. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may suffer, uh, share in his sufferings. So it is understandable that the Christian heart, Piper says, would cry out in suffering. Why? Since we don't know most of those micro reasons for our suffering. Why now? Why this way? Why this long? But don't let that ignorance of the micro reasons cause you to overlook the massive help that God gives us in his word by telling us his macro purposes for us. And I'll just add to Piper's ending there by saying to Amelia and to all of our listeners, please keep in mind too that, you know, that other great truth that I mentioned um, from my Storms of Life sermon two weeks ago that you were not meant to go through it alone. Uh, One of God's greatest gifts to us in our suffering really is each other, fellow sufferers, to bear our burdens, Galatians 6, uh, when they get too heavy for us to carry on our own. Um, That's especially what our life groups are for, and so I'll give a quick shout-out and plug for those. Um, Life groups are resuming August 11th, so don't miss that sign-up Sunday. Uh, But that's why I'm here as well, as your pastor. So please do continue to ask me your questions, but don't just ask the pastor. Share with the pastor. Use the pastor as a resource, um, as a support when you're suffering. Let's talk. Um, Let me help you bring those burdens to God. Um, Pray with you. Let me help you by carrying them when they're too much for you to carry alone. Um, That's what I'm here for as your pastor, and it's such a blessing for me to serve you, our church, in that way. So. Thank you, Pastor Will, not only for a biblically rich answer to that hard question, but for reminding us that you are a pastor that's approachable and that you're here to walk with us through our suffering and our hurt and the hard stuff. Um, That's it for this week's episode of Ask the Pastor. Remember that you can ask your questions each week at the info bar at West Hills or by submitting them online through our website at westhillsstl.org. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't yet. And thanks for listening.